let's just spend a moment and go before the Lord and, and, uh, and just pray. And maybe, maybe you got something just going on in your world that you bring into this service this morning, family, friends, finance, whatever, that you just need to say, Lord, I, I just want to check it in front of you. It doesn't mean we forget it and push it to the side to hear a message. It means we just allow God to just come into the middle of whatever that is and then let God's word minister the way he needs it to. So can we do that together? Father, this morning, as we think about the the gift that you have given through your son, Lord, there's through that gift you've also given us so much in our life. There's so much ability to overcome and to handle things and deal with things. So much strength and peace and joy. Sometimes when it doesn't even seem like it's appropriate at the time, you bring it. And so, Lord, this morning, if there be anyone that's sitting here and it's just, it's just a struggle, it's just a mess of a week or month or, or maybe an entire year, and they're just saying, Lord, I need to be ministered to at this time, would you do that, Lord? Lord, it may be a word from the sermon, Lord, or just maybe your gentle whisper, whatever it may be, we give you the glory and we just ask you to do it. We pray in your Father's and the Son's name. Amen. Well, good morning to you. We're almost there, right? It's almost Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's almost there. I know, parents, you've, you've watched the kids jiggle the package in your house, and uh, it's only a few more days, and they'll get to crank those things open and have a good old time. But we've been walking this month through this series, and we've been calling it uh, He Shall Be Called. And we're talking about these names that we find in Isaiah. In the verse in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And we've been talking contextually about how this worked out, that at Isaiah's time, when he's writing this, the people weren't looking to God. In fact, it was a tough, dark time in their life. We found that in the Wonderful Counselor side, that their counsel was actually coming from these medians and spiritists, uh, almost this occult-type practice was going on in their life at that time. And then we talked as well about what would happen those 700 years, just soon after this time when Isaiah's writing, where King Ahaz would usher them into this dark age of the Babylonian captivity, and they would just never get out of it, all the way up to the time where Jesus was born. We talked about the, the power and the mightiness that God brings to our life and how he demonstrates that, that in his love to us. And this week, we want to talk about this term, Everlasting Father. Have you ever thought about this as you read this passage or you've heard this passage Christmas after Christmas and you come across this passage that says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he will be Everlasting Father. Does that sound confusing to anyone? Uh, it doesn't seem like it matches up perfect. The child, the son, and he will be described as Everlasting Father. It's an interesting phrase that's put into it here, so let's take a look at it and, and talk about it. One thing we know as Isaiah is writing here, that he's not necessarily writing a theological passage about the Trinity here. He's not trying to connect the God the Father Almighty with Jesus here in a Trinitarian way. Now we know the Bible teaches this type of principle and this connections, but rather he's talking more about the characteristic of who Jesus would be, who he would be, what would he be about. And as we talked earlier, that he would be about wonderful counselor, that when he came into our life, he would start to share with us, teach with us, 
preach words that would be incredible counsel to our life if we chose to receive it and accept it and put those things into practice in our lives. We talked about mighty God last week that if we would receive the strength that he has to offer, it doesn't often look like the same strength the world says we should have, but if if we would receive that strength, that we could live our life really in a mighty way, a life with strength. And so this week we talk about this, this characteristic of everlasting father and how this fits into play here. You know the word eternal is the word we often use when we think everlasting. We immediately think of the word eternal as well. Eternal meaning forever. In the case of God, always was and always will be. And we find that Jesus is very much the same. In fact, we learn that in the Old Testament, but John even confirms it in the New Testament that Jesus always was. He always was there with God from, from what we sometimes say the beginning, there was no beginning, always was there, and he always will be. But here the word is everlasting, and it's actually a little bit different word in the original Hebrew. The word eternal has its connection with the word time, a connection with the word time. That would make sense to us, right? As we think about the word eternal, we would think about time forever and will be forever. It just keeps going on and on and on from a time perspective. But the word everlasting in the original language has its connection a little bit different. They're used somewhat interchangeably in Scripture, but this word everlasting, it has its connection with the word endurance, the word endurance. It's a different word, and and so as we look at it, it gives us a little bit different feel. The word endurance, meaning that it's not strictly that Jesus in his everlasting father mode is coming into our world so that he can be here forever and ever, but that he's coming out and he will endure. He will continue on, and he will keep going. When I uh, think about the word endure, I think sometimes about the word despite. Do you know this word, despite? (laughs) Despite. I don't know what it looks like in your household, uh, parents, but in my household, you know, we have three kids, uh, 12, 10, and 6. Sometimes my kids in my household fight. Does, Does that sound familiar to you at all? Um, sometimes they, I mean, I mean, literally sometimes they even argue with one another. Sometimes, even with raised voices, they bicker back and forth. Sometimes it seemingly starts over something that's, that's nothing. It, uh, it's just an argument. And, and if I set them down and ask them, what is, what is going on? They can't clearly even articulate what they're fussing about and arguing about. There's just a bit of arguing. Does that happen in your household, or is that, is that, just, is that just me? Yeah, just me? Okay. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, yeah. And so sometimes I sit them down, and I mean, I have to have this, this type of discussion about how they argue, but every once in a while in this argument, it, it escalates a little bit, and a word is actually yelled at the other that's kind of a slander word. Uh, this week, twice, I caught one saying to the other, two different children, calling them an idiot. Now, being yelled, you know, you're an idiot! One said it as they were walking away, kind of as the final word as they went into their room. The word idiot. Now, in my house, um, if you slander one another, um, that, that, that kicks up my, my boiling point uh, as a parent. And, and so, you know, I call them in and I sit them down and, and I give them the stern talking to. And, and uh, you know, I turn. If you were sitting on the side, you would say I was just entering into the argument probably um, with the level I was, I was bringing it. Um, but I was 
trying to explain to them that, that no matter how frustrated we get with each other or we might bicker or argue, we never slander each other in our family. When you walk out the door, that's a place you might go and you get slandered in life. You know? But in our house, it, it has to be safe. And so I'm having this type of, of, of discussion with them and talk with them, and there's times uh, where I look at their face and it's just like this. Like, nothing is connecting and registering. At least that's what I'm thinking. And yet, despite, despite the frustration as a parent to hear the argument, despite the frustration that sometimes I have to make the trek up the stairs to talk, even when it's not on the commercial of my show, to talk to them, (laughs) despite the lectures that sometimes are met with glazed eyes, I love those guys. I love the, that, the, the family. I say guys still, but um, Sierra's six, and I still cannot get off calling our kids the boys. So, um, but uh, she's included, so just don't tell her that I do that. But yeah, I love them. Despite that, I, I love them. Love to spend time with them. Love engaging. Love sitting back and watching them do stuff and, and play together, despite that. You know, there's a time or two that um, when, when they're doing this, it actually turns into a fist fight. Has this ever happened in, in your, I mean, uh, if not a fist fight, at least a wrestling or a physical uh, type fight that goes on um, and, and we sit down and we have this discussion and I'm breaking them up and pulling them aside. James just started wrestling uh, at school, so he now can, can kind of battle back with TC because TC's a brute. He can, he can take you out, so don't pick a fight with that, with that 10-year-old. Um, despite the frustration at times in separating these guys, I love them. And then there's some other times, maybe it's the same in your house, when uh, they don't do what I've asked them to do. Um, does that ever happen to you? you? You say, hey, you've got the trash, or you've got this, or, or you know, don't, don't watch this show on TV. Um, and uh, it happens. It's like disobedience, where it's almost like they've looked at me and said, Dad, I'm, I'm not going to do what you said to do. I mean, can you believe the audacity that somebody would not do what I asked them to do? And so we have this, this responsibility battle, and then I have the, you know, the trust speech that comes out where I have to say, you know, well, because you've done that, now you have to build trust back up with me. And, um, and often I talk in these philosophical terms, which I know they're not, they're not getting, but uh, I'm just not being rational in my frustration that they have not obeyed me despite that. <laughs> I love those guys. Love that, the family and love spending time with them. Why? The word everlasting has its connection with the word endurance. It goes on. Despite things, it goes on. Despite any of their disobedience, any of the things that frustrate me as parent, it goes on. And it is everlasting, my love for them and my care for them and how I will take care of them and how I will act in this role as father it goes on. It's not simply that I'm saying eternal in the sense of time. I'm not using the word time to just say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm biological. I'm still your dad. I'm biologically your dad, and, and I always will be. It is that I am playing this role of dad, and it will endure, and it will go on despite. Think about how that works when this everlasting father comes in, when Jesus comes into our life and he will be everlasting, that despite how we respond to God, despite how we respond to his wonderful counsel, despite how we respond to this mighty strength that he wants to put into our life and offer over to us, he still has this deep, deep care for us, this deep love for us that it can't be put away. It can't be put away. 
Think about it from a term of a marriage. And uh, you, you if, if you've looked at anything in the last decade or so, you know the marriage rates and how much divorce has entered into the, the picture in marriages. Think about the term everlasting and endurance. That despite the struggles you might deal with in a marriage, despite the years where, where you, uh, you don't connect the same, despite the day you might wake up and you go, Man, I don't even know you. <laughs> Endurance, everlasting. That there are times when God looks at us in our disobedience. God looks at us in the way that we've kind of pushed him at arm's length or we've put aside the gifts he's offered. And he says, despite it all, despite it all, I'm everlasting. I'm everlasting. I'm staying connected with you. It's not just an eternal time thing, which I am forever. It's an endurance that I will stay there forever. I will keep working as your father. And so this everlasting peace comes into play here. But there's a the term father as well, which is, which is uh, again, a, a little bit of a weird phrase to put on here when we talk about unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he will be father. It sounds a little odd. Again, we're talking more about these characteristics of a father, the characteristics. Now, this is where for some of us it's hard. It's hard to venture forward and think about the, these father-type things because we immediately think about our earthly dad. We think about our dad that, that maybe when we were growing up, our dad was phenomenal and was right there and tried in his best way to love for us and care for us all the days. And, and one day he even walked you down the aisle or he was there present at your wedding. But others of you have very different stories of your dad. In fact, some of you today, you, you don't know who it is. You've never even met because he was gone. Or some of you, you know he was around when you were little, and maybe you've had those little connections, but you know it's not dad, and you don't have that type of interaction. For some of you, dad might have been around the whole time in the same address, but you know the relational side of it was non-existent, distant. And so we often bring these type of interpretations in of dad when we start thinking about this, and it's very hard to receive of what God would have to offer through Christ here in the term father. So let's ask for a second, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by Jesus working in this everlasting father way? Well, number one, uh, he's given us life. Have you ever thought about that, that, that Jesus has given us life, both physically and spiritually? If you remember, John writes, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. So we know that Jesus was always there. He was always there with God. But then it goes on to say, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That Jesus, when he came into the earth, even as a form of a little baby, that that there, that there was creator God, and that he created us. And so Jesus has given us life. He's given us physical life, but the Bible also says he's given us spiritual life. Remember, John, later in his book, he says, no one comes to the Father except through him. And he's talking here about this, this spiritual connection with God. Let's hold on for a second there. Because really, ultimately, the purpose of Jesus coming into this world, do you know what it was? It was to bring us into right relationship with God. That's ultimately the point. You see, God is so passionate about of having a good relationship with us that he'll go to whatever means necessary. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see the means that God went to to try to connect and have right relationship with us. 
But at some point, and we find this in the book of Jeremiah, God basically, if you read the passage, he basically says, look, I'm done with your sacrifices. You know, I'm, I, no more sacrifice. I'm sick of this, these. Because it's just empty. It's empty ritual year after year after year. You do whatever you want. You live however you want. You come to the festival. You do your sacrifices properly. You go on. You do whatever you want. It's empty ritual and empty sacrifice. And God says the same today as he did back then. I, I'm not interested in your empty ritual. I'm really, I'm not interested in your church tenants. <laughs> I'm not interested in that type of thing. I want your heart. And so, as he said in that passage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a new covenant. A new covenant. It's not going to be like the covenants before. And it's Jesus Christ is what he's talking about here. That he goes so far to the point in wanting to be in right relationship with us that he's willing to send his son. And send his son, as we know, as we celebrate on our other great holiday, Easter, even to the cross. And so there is a spiritual connection that Jesus helps us. He gives us this life because he ushers us to God for right relationship with him. Also, God, uh, Jesus provides for us. He provides for us. Listen to what it says in, in Philippians. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's saying that your needs will be met in what Jesus has to offer to your life. It'll be met. It's what he brings us when we, when we give over to him. You see, as I read the passages and I think about things like this that he gives according to our needs, and I think about passages like the Sermon on the Mount, and I think about these teaching passages that Jesus shares, or the times where Jesus like, asked me to do something or to be about something, and often when I read those, I find that the things of my life, how I live my life day in and day out, don't fall into those categories. I mean, Jesus never speaks about TV, Unfortunately, he never talks about, he never says how much time I should spend or should not spend on TV, right? Um, but he talks about taking care of the poor. He talks about giving and serving of others. He talks about doing to other people the way I would do to myself. He doesn't talk about my hobby in there. I, I wish he would, would talk about how much uh, time it's okay for me to go spend with golf. I wish he'd give me a little tips on my golf swing. That would be helpful as well. He doesn't address those type of things, but yet he talks to me about what I should do with my time. He talks to me in those about how that we're all given the same amount of, of days and years and, and hours and there's an accountability at the end in what I've done with that time. And so this word need pops out to me when I think of what he provides. That he provides all that I need to live a better life if I'm willing to just receive of that. You know, I find also that Jesus thirdly teaches us. That he really, he, he teaches us. There are times, especially in this postmodern age, where we have we have shrunk Jesus down to just a, uh, just, you know, just an experience and feeling, and, and we call that relationship. But we forget that Jesus teaches us, that he teaches us how to live, and he, he asks us what to be about, and, and he says, this is who I am, and this is what you should go out and be, and you will experience life totally different. I mean, think about just a few. I pulled a few out for you. He says in Matthew 7, do not judge or you'll be judged. Good things to live by. Don't judge. Obviously, there's vast interpretations sometimes on what that word judge means. Well, certainly we know, don't judge. 
It's not our job. In fact, did you know Jesus himself said he didn't come in the world to judge the world? It's not his job. God the Father, it's his job. It's our job to love people. Don't be judged or or you're going to be judged as well is what he says here. He says also in Matthew 6, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Anybody have a problem with worry? Anybody struggle thinking about what is coming up and how in the world am I going to pay that bill or how in the world or, or maybe even minute things? You know, like why does he park his car that way across the street? Uh, okay, sorry Mike, that's not you uh, back there. My neighbor's in church here. So lo- <laughs> love the way you park your car. It's great. Mark 10 tells us this. Whoever wants to be first must be last. Must be last. It says, don't keep living in this selfish mode of, of me first, me first, and, you know, all the way down to sitting at a potluck, and, and you hope your table's called first so you can be at the front of the line. I mean, Jesus said, look, I've got a whole different way of life to live here. If you want to be first, go ahead and be last. Be last. That's the way. That's the way to earn the first. Matthew, back to Matthew 7, he says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Jesus teaches us. And if we want to receive of him, if we want to live better life, then we get into his word and find out what does he teach us? What's he's about? In fact, here's what I would challenge you. In this time, especially as you're coming into the new year and you start to think about resolutions and what I should do different, instead of thinking in your head what you should do different, how about cranking open the gospels and reading through the gospels and asking the question, what is Jesus about? Who is he? What is he about? What does he teach? That's going to be my track for resolution. Let God challenge us in that way. That if Jesus is about it on January 1st, not that we have to wait till then, but on January 1st, I'm going to say my resolution is because Jesus is about that. And Jesus teaches us that. So he teaches us. Finally, number four, Jesus cares for us. And this is clear. But let me share a couple ways that Jesus cares for us that we don't necessarily think about. Number one is in the area of boundaries. Did you know that Jesus cares for us this way of boundaries? I mean, who would say this morning, I really like it when people put boundaries on my life. I, I enjoy that very much. No, not, not, not a whole lot. We like our freedom, right? We like the ability to really get out and do what we want to do without much hassle. When I was coaching baseball, I often used the phrase, you know, that you can have extreme freedom on this team within the within a certain umbrella that we establish as coaches. Meaning we had a style that we wanted to play on our team. We wanted to be a team that went very, very deep into counts, took a lot of pitches, and so we made pitchers have to change out earlier in the game. We wanted to be somebody that spent a lot of time with running and speed games and not just stolen bases, but how to take an extra base when somebody's not coming up ready to throw. And and all these little tiny things that you might interpret as kind of small ball type of baseball. Well, there's time or two where players, they didn't quite buy into that type, and they tried to exercise a, their own freedom outside of what we were trying to teach and what we were after. And so what, what would we have to do as coach? Well, often it, in, it involved a lot of running or certain exercise skills. And what we were really saying is, if you would like to choose this over this, then by all means, we'll spend the time to do this. We'll spend the time to do this. If you want to run for 45 minutes on time drills, that's okay. We'll go do that if you'd like to choose this over what we're trying to accomplish. In a very real way, what Jesus comes and does as well when he teaches us and loves us and cares for us, he says there's boundaries. 
There's boundaries in your life, and these are healthy boundaries for you. And if you keep these boundaries in place, you'll just experience better life and we'll accomplish the mission that I came to accomplish together. But also in his love and care, he, he loves us so much to say, if you would like to step out of those boundaries and go experience what life is outside of those boundaries, you're welcome to do so. Breaks his heart, but you're welcome to do so. And many of you, you know what I'm talking about and what that looks like outside those boundaries. Hebrews says it this way, My sons, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. That it's out of his love. And you know, as parents, you understand this principle, right? I mean, how many times have you said the phrase, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? There's no kid that's ever believed that phrase. Um, But as parents, we understand what we're saying. We don't want to discipline. We don't want to take something away. Recently here in, uh, in our family, one of our children, I made the decision that we were going to take away. It's, it's something large, something they've been working for. And we made the decision. Shrey and I sat down and talked about it, and we said we're going to take that away. And we're going to give the opportunity to earn back something lesser. And I didn't want to do that because you know, I knew what the reaction would be. But that's how God works with us as well. He loves us so deeply that he puts these boundaries on us as well for our good. The second thing is that he is available to us at all the time. He's available to us. He says it this way, though. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The reason I talk about available this morning is not because I want you to think that it's like Jesus is sitting on the shelf, and anytime you might think you have a need, you can go grab him off the shelf, you know, pull the string back and let it go, and there'll be great words of wisdom, and you'll go on your way feeling like, oh, then that's really good. I received something of him. Some of us treat church that way often in our lives. We we kind of are everywhere during the course of six and a half days, but on that, that morning of Sunday, we come and we, we kind of get our, we get our little experience from Jesus, and it's like pulling him off the shelf and pulling the string and letting it go and receiving a little bit something from him. Jesus wants our heart all the time, all seven days. But this morning, if you're in a position where you're just like, man, I've just, just been far from him. I haven't even interacted with him. Sometimes we think that means I should just stay away from all together because he doesn't, he's upset at me. He's not happy with me and, and therefore I should stay away. Or I've missed church five weeks in a row. I better not go back there because the folks there at the church, they're going to be a little upset with me and, and they're going to be angry that I missed five weeks. That's not how Jesus operates. He says, look, I'm available. Come to me. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, great week, bad week, obedient week, disobedient week, come to me. Receive of me. He says, all you who are weary or burdened, and I will give you rest. Those who are weary or burdened, they're in need of rest, right? Whatever you're in need of is what Jesus wants to offer to us. So everlasting father is the term that's used this morning. Everlasting. The characteristics we just talked about, and there's many more that we probably could apply to Christ. Remember, these are everlasting Uh, characteristics, meaning Jesus is looking down and he's saying, these will endure. They'll endure. So no matter how rocky our relationship is, Jesus is saying, I'm I'm still here. I'm going to endure. I'm not giving up. I'm staying after you. For some of you, sometimes you felt like over the course of the years that your interaction with Jesus or lack thereof 
that has put you in a category where you're kind of done. Or maybe that you've got a series of penance things you need to do in order to build back the way to Jesus. He says this morning, look, I'm in it. Endurance. Everlasting. I'm still right here available to you. And so this morning, uh, that's what I would invite you to do as we go into a time of prayers, is just to receive of him once again. And just to go before him and say, you you are, you are my everlasting father. You're still there. And God, I want a fresh start and something new to experience with you this morning. Maybe it's one of those four things we talked about where you just need to remind yourself, man, he teaches me. And he's been teaching me. And I've just been saying, I'm not interested in the teaching. (laughs) I want to open my eyes up to what the teaching is. If one of those four things is connecting with you, then spend that time and do a little business with God this morning. Let's go to him and pray. Father, thank you for for who you are and that you have this eternal time aspect that you are forever, God. And if if you've been here forever, we know you will be here forever. But Lord, thank you also that you have this, this endurance aspect, that you will continue on, that despite what any of us do in our relationship with you. And Lord, we know at times it doesn't please you and it hurts you often when we're far from you. Lord, it hurts you, even if there's not some deep addiction sin we're talking about, but if it's just the sin of selfishness, wanting to just do what we want to do, you still say, I'm here, and I endure, and we'll go on. Surrender before me today. And if you're there, if you're just needing in your heart to say, man, I, I just got to drop it, drop it in, in his lap and, and just receive of him, if this morning you just say, I, I, want, I need him to be my father and to care for me as a, a good father would do, yeah, I just invite you to do it. Do it this morning and receive of him. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.